Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. My name is Ryan. Uh, My wife, Megan, and I, we are uh, elders here at the church, and we also work with an organization called Mission Ahava that the church supports. We try to rescue some of the most vulnerable children in the world, and, and Elevate has partnered with Mission Ahava to do a lot of very cool things. In fact, right now, we're uh, building a house in Thailand uh, that is going to rescue girls who have been identified as at risk for human trafficking. Uh, that should be done around April. We're going to have more details for you here in the next coming months on that. Um, but as we're doing that type of work, uh, it took us all around the world. And, and we have done a lot of short-term missions and a lot of long-term missions. And, and the biggest one was uh, we lived in Brazil for about four years. Uh, and when we lived there, we, we, we started a project down there. Um, uh, it it, it kind of started out as an orphanage. Um, and then it developed. We, we added other projects through um, a lot of different means where kids could be taken off the street and cared for during the day. They're in some of the worst parts of, of Sao Paulo. And we feed them and we reinforce what they're learning in school. And uh, the, these kids are blessed. At the center of it all is the love of Jesus, okay? That's what we want to, to, to be the driving motivation behind everything we do, right? Um, and so we also opened a vocational school down there where kids can get um, an education and they can get a... a, a, a it can get an edge in the job market, which is really difficult in a city of 25 million people, right? That's how big Sao Paulo is. So to put it in perspective, it's like two, two and a half times the size of New York, right? It's just huge. There's lots and lots of people there. And that's what I want to talk about for just a second, right? Let's, let's back up from the ministry for just a second, and let's talk about how it was to live down there, okay? So when you uh, go to the subway uh, during rush hour and you're in Sao Paulo, um, what you have to do is you have to kind of stand back and you kind of got to grit up, right? And you got to get ready because as soon as those doors open, there's going to be some people coming out of the subway and you better run as hard as you can to get in there. Because if you don't, there's going to be other people who are super aggressive and they're going to get in there before you. Okay. It's very similar with driving. Okay. So think of the, you know, race. Think of the most aggressive driving you've ever done and then multiply that by about 10. Okay, that's what you got to do to get anywhere in Sao Paulo. Because if you don't, if you like, you know, here we, we're, we're nice, right? We let the other person go and we come to the stop sign and we give them the little wave and thumbs up or whatever. You don't do that there, okay? You get there and you just start moving and they're not going to hit you. That's, that's basically the way that it goes, okay? So you're driving down the highway there. Everybody's going about 60 miles an hour and there are these motorcycles on the white. Dave, you remember, you were there. The, there are these motorcycles on the white lines, okay? And, and they're going the whole time, right? So every time you do a lane change, you're like scared to death you're gonna kill a motorcyclist. And like, it's absolutely insane. So the first two weeks that I was there, uh, that, that we drove anywhere, like I would get out of the car and I'm, I'm like sweating and I'm like, I'm never gonna drive here again. We're moving home. I hate this place, right? It was absolutely insane. But that was that was part of what ended up becoming such a great part of the culture, right? And, and what we ended up falling in love with is it was just kind of this crazy world. And even in the ministry, like there were all of these crazy things that happened. Like some of you who know us uh, know a few of the stories. There were like some threats on our lives uh, at one point, and we were kind of scared at one point, and we thought we might have to move home. Like all of these crazy things happened, right? It was like this 
this absolute whirlwind. But then we, we had been there for about three to four years, uh, and things just started working, right, in the ministry. Things were just going right, and they were blessed, and the right people were put in the right places, and we're super excited because all of these kids are being brought off the street, and they're, we're finding good families for them, and they're getting placed into good places, and they're, they're, they're doing praise and worship in their church band, and, and they're learning other languages, and, and God is just absolutely blessing, right? And it feels like we almost kind of get this, this like breath of fresh air, Right? And, and I remember we were there for, I don't know, probably about three and a half years. And Megan comes to me and she tells me some of the greatest news of my life. She says, Ryan, you're going to be a dad. You, we're we're going to have a baby, right? And, and so she was pregnant with our first child, Ezra. Ezra, raise your hand. Yep. So she was pregnant with him. And so we started praying about, okay, so what does this next year look like, right? And for a, lots of different reasons that I'm not going to go into right now, we decided, okay, think it's time to move back to the United States. I think the Lord's calling us back there, right? And so we prayed about it. We talked with our, with our pastors about it, with our leadership, and we end up coming back to the United States. Now, we had nowhere to live, so we had to find a place, okay? So we're looking online, trying to find a house, right? And we end up finding this house, and, 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 and we like it, and our parents go there, and they're looking at it, and they take pictures, and we have an inspection done, and we decide, you know what? This is where I, I think we're supposed to be. It's in Franklin, Ohio, right? Give it up for Franklin. Okay, so, so we, we find this place, and we end up buying it, and we hadn't ever even seen it. And so Meg actually moved home a couple of months before I did, and when I moved home, that was the very first time that I saw the house. And I want to tell you about this experience. So I walk into the house, and it's completely empty, okay? Like, we have nothing there, babe. I think we had a a blow-up mattress, and I think we had a TV in the corner, right? But it's just this big, empty house, and, and I'm back in America, and I'm driving, like, in my lane, and there's no motorcycles, and like there's a lot less people, and the roads are smooth, and I get into my house, and it's empty. And I remember that first evening, we kind of looked at each other, and you probably remember this conversation. Um, I, I looked at her, and I said, well, you know, what do you want to do? And, and it, was, it was one of those questions that like, after you say it, it kind of has like a a deeper meaning, right? I, I was kind of saying like, what do you want to do? You want to go grab some food or something like that? But after I said it, we both looked at each other like, well, what's next, right? What, what do we do now? And where's the Lord taking us? And, you know, we've kind of just come through this whirlwind of several years of, of just insanity. And, and where's the Lord going to take us now? And I almost expected him to reveal to us a thing, right? A, 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 the next project or the next mission or something like that. And, and what he began to take me on was a journey that I'm still in today, and I want to share a little bit with you about. Um, but before I do, I want to show you something uh, real quick. I'm going to show you a video. Um, so when I was a kid, uh, I was uh, raised in a Baptist church. It was a small Baptist church, and I went to VBS and went to Sunday school and all of those great things. And I've got a, so, so does anybody want to see a home video from me? Uh, okay, all right, you're going to see what I looked like when I was a kid, okay? That's not, yeah. I'll sing B-I-B-L-E if I know it. Okay. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand up on 
the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E Bible. So if you watch more of that video, I've got this accent that I don't even know where it came from because I was born and raised kind of around this area, but I've got some kind of accent in this video that I don't have today. Um, but I went to this church and, and this church was great for a lot of reasons. One of the things that they really majored on was evangelism and they were actually very good at it. They would go out into different communities and they would pray with people. They would pray with sick people, people who couldn't get out of their homes and things like that. Um, and they, uh, uh, they, they would, they would go out in a public arena as well. Like, like think of like a town square. All right. So I have this vivid memory in my mind, uh, of when I was just a little bit older than that, I was probably there. I was probably three or four, I'm guessing. Um, and when I went out on this like outreach or whatever, I was like five or six years old. Right. And so we were out on this town square and we're handing out tracks. Does anybody remember what chick tracks are you guys okay some of you are shaking your head and some of you're like I have no clue what you're saying right so chick tracks they're probably about the size of a cell phone okay they're think of this little comic book but you open it up and it's got like very serious uh uh material in it okay about uh, it's 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 towards evangelism right so there was this one that I remember that like you died from an LSD overdose and all of a sudden you're at the throne of judgment and like they're comic books, right? So they're, but they're, especially to a six-year-old, like I was terrified of these things. I remember this one that, that it was like the rapture and all these cars were wrecked and everything. And these like spirits were coming out of these cars. And I was like, that is the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, I don't want to miss the rapture, but I don't think I want to go in the rapture either. Uh, Cause that's terrifying right? So, and we had these phrases, okay, that, that we still use today. Here's a newsflash. If you have been saved for over 10 years, you are privy to some phrases that no one else on the planet knows, okay? So, I'm, I'm going to give you a couple of examples, and if you can finish these phrases, all right, you, you're, you, you know that you've been saved for a while, okay? So, so here's the first one. <laughs> It's funny because there's a couple of people out here. I like, I know you're going to know these, all of these, right? I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. All right. So now listen, if you go after church today to a movie theater and you just stand up and you turn around and say, I don't know what you came to do. Nobody's going to have a clue what you're talking about. All right. That's only in this circle. Okay. Here's, here's one. I'm too blessed to be, I'm too blessed to be stressed, right? Okay. Uh, hey, if I'm praying over you and I pray for a hedge of, see, you guys have got it. Okay. So I had, so I have this aunt, um, but when I was little, she used to like pray over her at any time we'd go anywhere, she would anoint her cars with oil so that they would like get to wherever we were going. And she would pray a hedge of protection and traveling mercies right over the, <laughs> over the vehicle, traveling mercies. So, okay, here's the last one. Um, can't nobody do me like Jesus. All right, so look, I'm just gonna challenge you, okay? Somebody get this on social media. Just go somewhere in a public arena and just say, just stand up and say, can't nobody do me like Jesus. I promise you're gonna get a reaction. But there were all these phrases and, and we would be out there and, and, and we would be 
asking people if they wanted to pray or if they needed Jesus, right? And handing out these chick tracts. And I remember handing this tract to this guy and I was probably five or six years old, right? You saw that cute little face. How could you say no to that, right? And, and, I, and I handed it to him. I think I like asked him if he wanted to pray or something like that. And he takes this track and he goes over and he's like muttering obscenities, um, which I, only, I, I, I probably didn't even know a lot of curse words then. And he throws this thing into trash, right? And I'm like, how, how could he possibly do that, right? This guy's like over here inventing curse words. Like he's very, very angry that we're out here doing this and we're saying these phrases. And I remember one phrase in particular that we would say, um, and it was, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus, all right? And, and so, so later in life, let's fast forward, okay? We're back from Brazil, right? And I'm praying to God, like, what's next, Lord? And this, 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 some of these things start coming back to me, this personal relationship with Jesus. And this is the only way that I can describe this season in my life, there was this holy unsatisfaction with where I was with Christ, okay? Like I knew him, I was saved, I was a Christian, but I felt like he was calling me deeper. I felt like he was calling me deeper into something. And I read this book uh, by a guy named Francis Chan. It's called Crazy Love. It's a great book. I recommend it. Um, nothing earth shattering in this book, but here's what I came away with. He's talking in this book about Jesus in a different way than what I knew Jesus. He's, he, it almost sounds like a high school teenager who's in love for the first time, right? He's just talking about his Lord and his master. And I, and I start praying about this. And, and I remember when I finished this book, I remember the specific day, I'm on my way home from work and I'm in my car. I had like a hour drive at the time. And I said, Lord, whatever he understands about you, I think there's something missing. Like, I love you, and I try to serve you. I try to do everything that I can for you. I love my neighbor. I try to do, you know, what's in the word. But like the way that this guy knows you, I don't think that I know you. And if you can show me whatever's missing, that's what I want to see. And the apostle Paul prayed a very similar prayer for the Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians 3, verse 16, he says this. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength. Who needs some inner strength in 2021? Through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow deep down into God's love and keep you strong. Now, let me ask you a question here. Who's he talking to? These are believers. This is a church. And yet he's using some of maybe what I would think of as like some elementary phrases, right? As you trust him and he'll, he'll make his home in your hearts and your roots will grow down deep. He's, he's using some kind of basic language to speak to believers, right? Now, Pastor Jeff has laid out the mission, what he believes uh, God has called Elevate Church to do. And it's three things, and it comes from a, a, a scripture in the New Testament, but it's basically to feed, tend, and love the people of God, all right? So let's take that first one for a second, the feed, okay? When we come in here, he is, he is doing his best every single week to give 
out of scripture what he believes that God is speaking to this congregation. And so for lots of us who come in and we're either new to church or we're new to God, we haven't experienced anything like this. It's our first, like, like these concepts are brand new, right? And so, so for some of us, it's, it's almost like spoon feeding us, right? Like here's a scripture and here's what it means. And he gives it to you, but, but here, and, and that's wonderful. Nothing wrong with that at all. But listen, if that's the only exposure to God that you're getting throughout the week, if that's the only scripture that you're receiving in your heart throughout the week, you're missing out because he has this whole other life that, that he wants to invite us into. So, so let me tell you what I had going for me at this time, okay, when we moved back from Brazil. First of all, I knew a lot about God, okay? When I got saved, I started devouring books and I started uh, reading the Bible and reading, you know, working through scripture. I started reading um, books from different scholars and, and apologists and Christian authors that were out there. And so I felt like I knew a lot about him, but, you know, I can know a lot about a lot of things that don't give, do me any good, right? I can know a lot about food and still starve to death, okay? I can know a lot about you and may not know if, if, if I'm going to like you or we're going to have a relationship or not or anything like that. See, we have, uh, have you ever heard like love God, love people? Okay. So that's a, you know, a common phrase. We say love God, hashtag love God, love people. Right. And that's a whole lot easier when you don't know those people. Okay. So like, it's easy for us to think of like the beggar on the street and, oh, we got to love that person. Right. But if you knew that beggar's story, like you might hear some, some crazy stuff in there, right? Like love, love, visit the widow and the orphan. We've worked with orphans. I've had orphans kick me and bite me and scratch me and spit on me. Um, I work, I'll never forget. I worked at a drug and alcohol rehabilitation when Megan and I first got married. Um, and man, I'm in there like, and I want to like pour into these young men, like, and, 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 and help them through different situations. I remember this one guy comes up and he gets right in my face and he says, I don't like you and I'm going to murder you. And I'm okie doke, right? All right. Sometimes when you get to truly know people, it's not as glamorous as we think that it is, right? But you got to have that knowledge, right, to know what that person's really all about. Here's the second thing that I had going for me. I did a lot of work for him, right? So I told you we were involved in missions, and we had been on a lot of short-term missions. We, um, we moved to Brazil. I think we were married about a year and a half uh, when we moved there. And so I did a lot of things for him, and somehow my identity was tied up in some of those things that I did for him. Okay, let me tell you something. If your identity is linked to what you do, then your self-worth is always gonna be linked to how well you perform. Okay, let me say that one more time. If your identity is wrapped up in what you do, then your self-worth is always gonna be tied to how well you perform. Um, let me give you an example. This morning I woke up <clears throat> and I was like, hey, I probably ought to look at my sermon notes, you know, before I go in. And I opened up my, my laptop and, and I'm pretty meticulous about the way I keep my notes and things. I, I keep everything in a cloud and backed up. And, and my notes for this sermon were completely gone, right? 
And this is at like eight o'clock this morning. And I'm like, oh, that, that's a problem, right? So, so here's the thing. If this computer, this was designed for a purpose, to compute. And if it ever stops computing, I have no connection to this computer, right? If it stops performing its intended purpose, I'm going to either take it to the Apple store to get it fixed, or I'm going to throw it in the garbage, right? Because it has no worth to me. So see, I was focused on me and I was focused on what I could do and how that I could perform. And, and if I was good and if I worked hard enough, then he would be pleased with me. Right. And if I kept my thoughts together and, and, and I treated people well, then, then he would be okay with me. And if I didn't do so well and I had bad thoughts or did, did things that were wrong, then, then maybe not so much. As if he were some moody father that, that I always had to check in for, for his disposition with me. I was in the store the other day and, uh, I was kind of wasting time. It seems like we always, on a date night, we end up at Target. I hate that place with a passion. So we were there, and I was waste, completely wasting time for Meg to do whatever she was doing. And, uh, and I heard in the next aisle, I heard this father, like, talking to his child. And it was like this real condescending. I mean, he was just kind of berating his kid. And uh, I'm thinking, man, like, like, I totally get correction by like, this is intense, right? And I came around the corner and, and, and it kind of shocked me. Maybe it shouldn't, I don't know. Um, but this child looked as if he were going through some kind of, something serious medically. Um, there, he, he had no hair and the way he was dressed and the way he was moving, it, it just looked like he was having some serious medical complications. And I remember thinking like, so, so look, I'm all about correction. But, but the way this dad was talking to his son, it, it it told me a whole lot more about the dad's goodness than it did about the child's goodness, right? It told me a whole lot more about where the dad was than, than where the child was. And see, that's something that we need to understand that his love for you, it's not based on your goodness, it's based on his goodness. Isn't that the deal of a lifetime? That his love for you is based on how good he is. You know, it's like a baby, so, so when you have a baby, you know, babies, they, they know when they need food and they know when they're cold and they know when they're hungry and they know when they need a diaper change and they, they, they're, they're gonna tell you all of those things, right? And they're not thinking about you and, and, and how tired you are and what you've been through that day. They're not thinking about any of that stuff. They're only thinking about what they need, right? And that's the way we are when we come to Christ, right? We're just, Lord, help me, help me through this situation and, and guide me through this and, and, and give me the answers for this, right? And that's okay, but there comes this place where that child begins to grow up a little bit and they begin to mature a little bit and they begin to develop a love. And that love is based in, in the love that he has for you. So Paul instructs us in the scripture. I don't know if they still got it, but verse 18, sorry, I kind of stopped in the middle of the scripture. I have very choppy notes. Uh, in verse 18, he instructs us. He says, um, he says, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand, and then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So Paul's basically saying here that we have to have an immersion 
of understanding of the love of God. And then once we're aware of that, then God invites us into this other place. He invites us into this other arena of seeking his face, okay? So all through the Bible, there's this, there's this theme of seeking his face, okay? And basically that's very simply a representation of seeking who he is, seeking his personality, seeking his person, seeking what he's all about. And so there are several scriptures on this, but one of the uh, probably most famous ones that I think we probably all know, I, I don't remember if I gave you guys this one or not, but it's 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. He says, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will restore their land. Hey, let me just pause here real quick and, and say something. I think a lot of people in the United States are waiting for something right now. Okay, they're either waiting for truth to be revealed or, or maybe for justice to come or maybe they're waiting on the next political party or the next, next candidate that's, that's gonna make things right. Listen, none of that's the answer. Okay, God can use all of that, absolutely. But he said, if my people, that's us, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their ways to my ways, I'm going to hear from heaven, I'm going to forgive their sins, and I'm going to restore their land. And when you begin to know him personally, everything begins to change right? All of the things, the way even that we look at politics and the, the different things that are going, look, we look at it through a different lens. Your family, you look at through a different lens when you begin to walk down that path of knowing who he is, of really knowing his character, of knowing what he's about, of knowing what makes him tick. All right, let me give you a little hypothetical situation, okay? Uh, this this house that we're building in Thailand. I'm really, really excited about that. But let's say for a second, okay, let's just walk down this hypothetical road, okay? Let's say for a second that Pastor Jeff calls after this sermon. He says, hey, you know what? This house is great and all. I've told you that we wanna do this again. But listen, God has put it in my heart. I wanna build like 50 of these, okay? And whoa, okay, yeah, absolutely. Let's do this, Jeff. You know, we're, go we're going forward, right? We're gonna build all these houses. He says, okay, but we got to come up with a strategy, okay? We're going to have to fundraise. We're going to have to get awareness out there. And he says, you know, we need somebody big, okay? We need somebody big to come and elevate. Uh, some, some national name, right? And so, so we get the staff together and we're back there and we're talking and, and Christian's back there and he always comes up with these crazy ideas. And so he comes up with this idea. And he's like, look, I got some friends who know some friends who know some friends and they know Justin Bieber. And we're like, the Biebs? And he, absolutely the Biebs. And he's like, let, let me see if I can get Justin Bieber to do a benefit concert for us, okay? We'll do this maybe once a year and we'll have him up there. We'll raise a ton of money and we're gonna build 50 houses in Thailand. And we're like, well, okay, I don't, I don't know that this can happen, but okay, let's see if he can. And, and sure enough, Christian, you know, he, some people owe him some favors and he ends up getting Justin Bieber, and we're all like, whoa, okay, all right. So we have this concert and Bieber, look, are there any believers out there? Yeah. Okay, all right, all right. I knew there was a few. Come on, some of you are kind of closet believers. I know, but if I started singing the songs, you'd know them, wouldn't you? I'm not gonna do it. No, no, I'm not gonna do it. So, so 
we have this first concert, right? And, and Bieber's up there and he's singing and we're all like, I can't believe Bieber's doing a benefit for Elevate, right? For us to build houses in Thailand. This is fantastic. Okay. And, but then Pastor Jeff called, he's making some calls and he says, look, we want to have Biebs over to my house after the concert and we're going to need some help. You got to cook some food. And, and you're like, I'll sign up for that. I'll cook for Biebs, right? And so you go over to Pastor Jeff's house afterwards and you start cooking some food, right? And as Justin Bieber is probably a nice guy, let's say he's going around and he's introducing himself to people. He, he comes up to you and he says, hi, what's your name? And you know, what do you do? And, and, and you're, you start talking to him. And somehow, crazy enough, you and Bieber kind of hit it off, right? And you're talking and you're like, hey, I really like this guy. And, and he says the same thing. He's like, I want to hang out with you more, right? And so you guys end up changing phone numbers and you get on each other's social media and you're sending messages all the time. And like now every time he's in this area, he's stopping by to see you, right? And, and you get to really know him, right? You get to know like what he likes and the kind of food that Bieber likes and his favorite drink. And you know where he likes to hang out and all of these things, right? And so, so, so what happens the next time that we do one of these concerts, right? He gets up here and we're all still excited, right? We're all still, you know, it's, it's cool and the music's good and everything, but you know him and you know him a little bit differently than everybody else knows him, right? And you know his personality and you probably even know what he's thinking about while he's up there on stage singing and, and what he's going to want to do afterwards and the things that he's going to want to talk about, right? And the places that he's going to want to go because you have that personal relationship with him, right? And so, so when we come in sometimes and we're, we're in here, now that's a, that's a silly example, right? But we come in here sometimes and we're in praise and worship. And sometimes you'll see two people standing right next to each other. And one has got their hands raised and there's tears coming down their face and they look like they are on another planet, right? And then there's me standing right next to him who's thinking about like the things that I did this week and the, what is going on and the things that I got to get prepared for the following week, right? And I'm not even thinking about it at all. See, he said, that's what makes the difference when storms come and when trials come. He said, the ones who know their righteousness, he said, they're like trees planted by the water and their roots grow down deep. And you know what? Storms can come and the winds can blow. And when some people are being knocked over and some people are being knocked out and, and people are going through difficult situations, you're, 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 like, you're like a strong oak. You're like a pillar because you know who you are. You know who your Lord is and you're confident and you're secure in him. There's a scripture in Psalms that says the ones who are confident in their Lord, they have nothing to fear. They don't fear bad news. You know, that is one of my favorite scriptures because sometimes it feels like you're walking around and you're just, you're almost like waiting for bad news. Like, well, what's going to happen? And you know, what's, what bad, you know, and the phone rings and you're kind of like, you know, sometimes we almost get in this place where we're like, we're, we're just waiting for something. He says, the ones who know their God, they don't fear bad news. There's a scripture in Psalms 27, worship team, you can come on up. We're going to, we're going to land this plane. Psalms 27, uh, there's a scripture and, and I didn't have them put it up there. I'll just, I'll read it to you. But this is David and he's at, he's, he's come through his life. He's come through a long 
phase of his life and he's been through a lot, a lot, a lot of different things. And he says, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy on me and answer me. And then the Lord answers him, okay? He says, when you said, seek my face, my heart said unto you, yeah, Lord, I'll seek your face. He says, one thing have I desired of the Lord and that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He said, I asked the Lord for help. And the Lord's reply was, seek my face. He said, I'll do it. I'll come after you, Lord. I'll seek your face. See, there's something about the king that he wants us to pursue him. He wants us coming after him in a deeper knowledge and in a deeper relationship of who he is. And listen, I'm not talking about more time, okay? When, when David wrote this, he said in Psalms that he prayed seven times a day, okay? I'm not talking about, it, not, nothing wrong with spending more time with the Lord. That's fantastic. I'm talking about a posture of the heart. I'm talking about where you are in life and what your affections are towards and what you think about on a daily basis and where your heart is. You know, the Bible says that you can pray without ceasing. How do, how do you pray without ceasing? You can't walk around and you're, you're literally saying words all day long. No, it's, it's the attitude of your spirit. It's where your heart is with relationship to God. And let me tell you, there's a movement. I wanna be careful how I say this. There's a movement to remake Jesus. People are remaking Jesus right now into, into their own image. I read some stuff last night from some people that, that I used to believe I read some stuff from some people that I used to believe were just, were, were on the Lord's page. And, and I'm not talking about little differences of opinions and things like that. I'm talking about so far off of the page of the gospel that we're remaking Jesus. You know, in Matthew 24, they asked Jesus, Lord, what are the signs of the end times? And he says this, he says, People are going to say that Jesus is this and Jesus is that and Jesus is here and Jesus is there and don't believe them because if possible, the very elect are going to be deceived. Listen, our lives, God doesn't match our lives. He doesn't fit nicely into these little boxes. In fact, he kind of destroys these boxes. We fit to the gospel and we fit to what the Lord says and it has to be that way right? We can walk around for a little while thinking that he fits us and, 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 and he likes everything I like. Look, that's not the way the Lord operates. He said, I'm the Lord of Lords and I'm the King of Kings. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way except by me. Now he was either a madman, a liar, or he was the Messiah. You, you can't have it all three ways. And so if there were ever a time for us to know him, if there were ever a time for us to seek his face and to seek after who he truly is, to get his character rooted down into our souls, it's right now. And he gives us the right to do that. He said that we have a right that the Old Testament priests didn't have. 
Now listen, when those old priests, they came before him, you would, you would bring a sacrifice, right? You would bring the sacrifice and, and it would be a lamb and that lamb had to be without spot, wrinkle or blemish, right? And, and you had to bring it before the high priest, which is a representation of God. And that lamb could not have any defect. If it did, then, then it was rejected. Now that, off, that, that high priest wasn't examining the offerer because he knows the offerer is flawed. He knows the offerer's got problems. He knows the offer has issues. He was examining that lamb. And that lamb, which is a representation of Christ, if it was without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish, without any fault of its own, then that offerer was accepted into his presence. The Bible calls it the Holy of Holies. The high priest could go into this place where the very presence of God dwelled in the Holy of Holies. And he gives us that right today. This, this is a scripture from Hebrews and it's probably my favorite scripture. And, and, and that night that I told you about that I was going home, this is what I read that night that began me on a journey that I'm still very much in today. You know, I love to preach on things. I love to, to speak about things that I really have together. And, and I'll tell you this, I'm in a journey. I'm in a process. But there is one cry of my heart for the rest of my life. It is to know the one who called me. I want to know him. Look, we could come to church for the rest of our lives. We could come every single Sunday and, and we could attend every Bible study and every small group and all of these things. And, and if we get to the end of our life, you, you remember you remember the virgins that, that showed up at his door? He said, I never knew you. He said, there'd be some at the last day that said, we prophesied in your name. We cast out devils. He said, I, I, I don't know you. Hebrews chapter 10. If you guys have that scripture, you could put it on the screen. It says, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. There it is, the holy of holies, where Jesus himself dwells. He says, we can boldly enter into the most holy place. Why? Because you're good, because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way. How many of you could use some life? Through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God. Listen, he's talking to you right there. I want you to personalize that. He says, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. So let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we can affirm that God can be trusted to keep his promises. Listen, you can't always be trusted to keep your promises. I know I can't always be trusted to keep my promises. If we put our faith in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he can always be trusted to keep his promises. And he says, this morning I've made a way for you to come in for you to come into my presence. You don't have to worry about anything that you've done. You don't have to worry about any of your past because your conscience has been sprinkled clean with that blood. I've made the way and I've made a path for you to come in. So come on, this morning, if you want to go deeper, would you, would you stand up on your feet?
when Peter was out on that boat and Jesus was out on the water and he didn't know if it was him and he didn't even know if he should be doing or, or asking something this bold. And he said, Jesus, if it's you, then bid me come. Then just, just tell me to come. You know, that's a, that's a funny statement to me. Peter could have just gotten out of the boat, right? Maybe he would have said, I don't know. But he says, if it's you, then tell me to come. This morning, we're going to ask him. For those of you who want to just go deeper, you want, a, you want a deeper relationship, and you want to, you want to start on this journey to just, to just dive into who he is and to dive into his character, we're going to say a prayer here in just a moment. But here's what I want to do. I want you to just close your eyes for just a minute. Okay, and if you've never done this before, just lift up your hands. Okay, this, all this is, this is a, this is a way to, of, of showing external praise to the Lord. It's a universal sign of surrender to say, Lord, I have no control, but I give all control to you. And I want you to say in your own way and in your own words, Lord, if this is you, if you're calling me out, if you're calling me deeper, then tell me to come. Tell me to step out. Tell me to step out of the boat. Now listen, we're going to worship here for just a second, okay?